Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to the podcast. Once again, I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lietza, your weekly host for the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, we got a good show tonight. Our special guest is going to be Stephen Lafredo. He covers the New York Rangers for the Hockey Writers, uh, along with Chris, who contributes to the Hockey Writers for the New York Islanders that we all know. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and start off going around the league. I guess the the big news out of the week is the, the next wonder kid, Connor McDavid, broken clavicle. Uh, I saw today, I think it was today, maybe yesterday, where they're saying out months. Um, Chris, I know you wanted to touch on this. What do you think that does to, obviously, it, it, the Oilers had been off to a, a, a medium start, I guess you would say, but this certainly isn't going to help any. Yeah, no, it's, it stinks to the Oilers, it stinks to the fans, it stinks to the league. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a rough go. Fluke play, um, you know, it sounds like he, best case scenario, he's out two months. I guess he'll probably be a touch more. I mean, if he can come back for the last two months of the season, um, ironically, a watch this will lead to the Edmonton uh, you know, winning the NHL lottery again, and uh, but uh, no, it was just it was just a real tough uh, situation. Um, again, the league really wanted to showcase you know both Eichel and McDavid this year. Not that you know the odds are say the Sabres and the Oilers will not be playing playoff hockey, but you know the two uh, of the building blocks of the league going forward. So uh, it's a story that thinks, but. You know, in this sport, uh, with as fast as every as fast as, as as strong as everyone is, it's amazing there's not more injuries. Well, the way he went into the boards, it got, the way he went in, it wasn't it wasn't a a, a you know a dirty play or anything like that. He just got tangled up and he went in he went awkwardly into the boards and you know it's uh, I just say kind of feel like it's one of those things, you know, this uh, physical sport, it's getting more physical, I think, every year, and, you know, it's going to happen. Kid's only 18, remember, too. He's got, he's still got growing, he's still got to put muscle on and fill his body out, so, um, you know, these things happen. I mean, yeah, I thought, uh, I was happy when I saw him get up, I thought he was going to be fine, but then when he said that, I mean, that was a real bummer. I mean, we've all been looking forward to this guy getting into the league for so long, you know. Yep. Uh, your 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 phone's uh, really really cutting in and out, Stephen. Maybe you could find maybe a, a little better better spot there. Maybe I don't know. Um, the give me a second. Yep. The other thing. Uh, the other thing. Big news this week. Patrick Kane not going to be. Uh, charged with sexual assault of any kind in his ongoing case. I had a feeling, you know, the longer it goes, the longer it goes, the less, the less chance it seems like that something's going to happen. Um, they cited the the story I saw was that the the fabricating of the evidence bag really really soured the taste there of the Buffalo District Attorney and also the accuser. Then they stopped cooperating with the investigation. So I don't know how how much farther things are going to go forward when the person bringing the charges drops out of it. But the longer it went, the longer it went. I was pretty sure nothing was going to be made of this thing. Chris, 
Do you think this was, uh, and I don't want to go back in, I know we talked a little bit about it, and you got to be sensitive to all the parties involved, but was this, you guys are both back east, is this uh he said, she said thing, or what are we, what are we, what are we thinking about this now? Yeah, I don't know, you know, unfortunately there, uh, there are stories uh, that happen where people accuse of others uh, when they didn't, you know, when something wasn't done. Um, yeah, uh, and obviously the whole thing with the mother's behavior uh, is, is a hard thing to defend, to say the least. Uh, you know, the sports aspect of this aside, I just hope, you know, the next, you know, this, no one should ever assume someone is guilty or, or uh, no one should also ever assume that if someone is uh, accusing someone that they're in it for, you know, greed or some really bad reasons. And I just hope, well, first of all, I hope there's none of these kind of stories going forward, but that's not very realistic. Uh, the next go-around, it be at the NHL or another league, you know, I hope people just don't say, oh, well, this could be an, uh, another situation just like the Patrick Kane thing. Because, you know, uh, Twitter Nation uh, definitely did not have its finest hour, during, in my opinion, during this uh during the story, uh, there was a there's a really uh, great writer in Chicago named Julie Chicaro, right. who also writes uh, sort of six seven. I think it's six seventy the score, and she got threatened on Twitter, like uh, threatened to the point she had to work from home a couple of days. So it's that kind of stuff that you know uh, we don't want to see. Um, what I found also interesting, the leak came out with a statement that they're now going to do an investigation, which. Really? I don't know what that exactly what that yeah they they said now that you know the Buffalo DA has uh, closed it uh, I I guess you know just to make sure that they're doing their due diligence but I, I mean if he's not charged uh, you know by the authorities I don't know what the league can do but um, yeah it, it's just a bad story um, you know I, I, um, like I said uh, it's it's a it's a head scratcher to say the least. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember my boy Drew Doughty went through the the same kind of a deal where he had uh, brought a couple girls back to the house with some of the other boys on the team and uh, same thing, had to go through the sexual assault investigation and on and on and uh, ended up also no charges being filed. A lot of people don't really... Oh, I don't even... Yeah, a lot of people don't remember. Yeah, Dowdy had to go through that same thing. So, um, and we all we all remember the Duke Lacrosse case also. Um, and again, none of us know what really happened in there. Uh, Stephen, when you first heard about it, uh, you're 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 over there in New York too, and I probably don't get as much news about that as uh, as I'd like to. Uh, what what was your first impressions out there? I mean, I, I think the first thing you do is. You try not to jump to conclusions, but obviously it's pretty devastating because Kane is one of the big names in the game today. I mean, For sure. He's a superstar American player. So when people hear this, they're like, why not? And I think people, like, they, they jump all over it and they want to just be like, oh, did you hear what happened to Patrick Kane? And then it's like, it sort of just spirals out of control. Like uh, Chris was saying, like with Twitter, people are jumping to conclusions and nobody really knows. It. There's probably about six people in the world that actually know what happened. So... I mean, it's, it's bad for the game, but, I mean, now with this behind them, I guess the Blackhawks as an organization could move on, but, you know, the, the tarnish is always going to stay there now. I will say, yeah, I mean, the, the we've all heard the the no means no chance throughout the arenas everywhere they go. Uh, 
I, I can't see that going away, even though, you know, even though no charges were filed. Um, one thing I will say, uh, Patrick Kane, has, it hasn't affected his play at all. He's started the season on fire. I think he's, I think he's last I checked, eight, eight goals, nine assists, something like that, up there leading the league almost in points, goals and assists. So I, I, he had to know that nothing was going on, or at least he's, you know, I guess one of the things about being a, a, you know, athlete at the highest level is is one of the traits I think is common to most athletes at that level is the ability to focus and and you know pursue a single-minded goal. I guess you you could put it, and uh, sure, sure, sure didn't affect his start to the league, and I guess now the whole organization can breathe a sigh of relief and uh, you know take that next step going forward. And I, I hadn't heard the league was also going to investigate, too. I, like you said, I don't know what they're going to do. Um. <laughs> it was I can't even imagine where that investigation would start. Like, yeah. I, the house. They don't have subpoena power, so I'm sure they, you know, if all, all the, you know, the, the girl in the case is going to say, uh, I don't want to talk to you. And that, I mean, what, yeah, what, what, really, what else are they going to do? <laughs> I mean, they have, they have the federal government. I think the I, I think the leak probably I think the leak probably just wants it out there that on this case and all cases going forward that they're going to do their due diligence and their their homework and you know and protect the shield, if you will. Yeah, you know, put their stamp on it. Makes sense too. Well, one one other thing that. Uh, that uh, the Vegas Hockey Podcast is keeping an eye on, obviously, is expansion. There's a little disappointing news that came out here in the last couple of days was that there, the com- Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly has said on record there will not be an expansion vote at the upcoming Board of Governors meeting here in December. Um, I guess the Board of Governors meetings in Pebble Beach, so they'll probably be too busy on the golf course to worry about whether a billion dollars at stake and two communities uh, need to get started prepping for a franchise in 2017. Uh, maybe you could tell I, I'm a little bitter, but really what I think it is is the, they like to do things with pomp and circumstance, Mr. Bettman does, and I think what they'll do is the ex- executive committee will present their findings to the, the full board of governors there at that meeting and they will have another meeting before the All-Star game. And, you know, up until this point, the uh, boards here in Vegas had uh, expansion, us getting a team at minus 700 and not getting a team at plus 500, meaning if you bet $100 that we would get a team, you know, you'd have to bet $700 to win $100. So we were the odds-on favorite. And uh, that price after that announcement dropped down to minus 500. So it's going the wrong direction, and I'm not really pleased about it. So I got to throw that in for our Vegas hockey fans. That uh, my 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 gut and a couple people that I've talked to here in Vegas are saying that that's kind of the timeline that we're looking at. And if they can get an announcement at the All Star Game with all the bells and whistles, and uh, let Bill Daly trot out the showgirls on the podium with Gary Bettman like they did at the groundbreaking for the arena, then uh, that'll give. Uh, Bill Daly enough time to Bill Foley I said Bill Daly Bill Foley enough time to 
put put it all together and get us a team started in 2017. So I had to get that in, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, I still think it's going to I'm still confident that it's going to happen for both uh, Vegas and Quebec. I don't think they would expand with just one team, but the odds on Quebec City getting a team just for entertainment purposes only, I guess, would be, uh, last I looked, they were minus 350 and we were minus 500. Um, so the, the, only, the only concern about Quebec City, I guess, is that the Canadian dollar still seems to... You know that was the reason they lost the team in the first time around there in Quebec City was the 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 value of the Canadian dollar and having to pay the players in American dollars was very prohibitive and that had changed around in the years since then. Um, but I don't think they expand with just one team, and I, we're on record saying both. Uh, we hope both cities get teamed. I don't want it to be one or the other. To go in with a, a historical city like Quebec City and have them as our sister city in expansion. I mean, every time every time they expand, uh, you know, that they always talk about the two teams that go in at the same time. And for us to be linked with Quebec City would be like a privilege for us uh, as a new hockey market. So. So with that, we're going to head out into our first break, and we'll be back for some good Rangers talk. This section of the podcast is brought to you by HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour-a-day radio format streaming Hockey Talk station. Tune in and check it out. Hello, hockey fans. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're back from the break. Uh, we, we went through our first segment talking a little bit about what's going on around the league. Now, Stephen's going to get, get get a much bigger role here. I wanted to bring him in on some of the other topics, but we were running out of time against the break. So he's a Rangers contributor for the Hockey Writers, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into the Rangers talk. They're t- coming out of the gate, tied for first in the Metropolitan Division, 18 points. Uh, likely two more coming tonight, playing the Avalanche, but... Um, don't count your chickens, right? Um, so far, they seem to be doing it the same way with their typical style of play. King Henry's leading the way. Defense is on point, only allowing 23 goals against. It's second in the league to the only, surprisingly, the Pittsburgh Penguins have only allowed 21 goals this year. Um, not really their forte defensive hockey, but there it is. Uh, Range, Rangers seem to be doing what they do this year. Stephen, what do you think about that? I'm really sorry. I missed the last two sentences you said there. Oh, I was just saying that the Rangers are, are playing to their identity very well this year, um, only allowing 23 goals against, good for second in the league. And uh, they they seem to be playing to their identity. And how do they look so far? I mean, I think they're playing really well. Uh, Elaine Vignell has been playing the kind of system where they really all five players are always attacking and really going after the puck. And, they can make teams look silly if they're not prepared to play them because the Rangers have so much speed, they have such a deep defense, and they have such good goaltending. So like you were alluding to, they're better, they, they have these incredible numbers offensively and defensively, and I think it's because they play a, a five-man unit. They look like a five-star moving around the ice, and it's just so hard to get the puck from them. And then even if you do, you have to get through that offense, and through the defense, and then you still have to be Henry Conklin. Yeah, it's, so the it's Rangers a, are a really tough team to deal with right now. And... and 
I'm, I'm glad you brought Coach Vignola because when basically they traded coaches with Vancouver um, and his style his style with the Canucks was a much much more offensive oriented. I'm sorry, Mark. You're really chopping up bad on me right now. Am I? Let me try and move this around over here a little bit. How's that sound? Are we getting any better? Much better. Okay, good deal. I was just saying, I'm glad you brought up Coach Vigneault because he's he's shown me one of the things that most of the other coaches in the league don't uh, have in their arsenal or don't want to put in their arsenal is the ability to adapt their system to their personnel. Um, uh, when, when Tortorella went to Vancouver, I thought that was a terrible fit because of the style of play and the, and the talent that the Canucks have. It lends itself to a more offensive style play. And when Vigneault went to New York, I thought the same thing. It would be a terrible fit because his style of play wouldn't fit the personnel that the Rangers had on board. And obviously much more so than Tortorella. Vigneault's been able to adapt what he wants his team to do to the, the person. I've been really impressed with that, actually. I'm glad you brought Vigneault up there. He has them, and it's fun to watch, like you say, when they move as a five-man unit, they're obviously one of the best teams in the league. Um, the the cup final a couple of years ago, people could say that, you know, you could look at it on the surface and, and think the Kings had an easy time of it, but it's easy to forget how many of those games went to overtime, double overtime and a bounce here, a bounce there. It could have been a much harder, longer series. And at that point, you know, yeah. you, you never know. It could have went either way. There were, it, it didn't, it doesn't look like it on paper, but that was a very tough series. I agree with you. I mean, uh, I think they said the first two games of that series, the Kings never led until, Absolutely. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm a Kings fan, so uh, I remember that well. Um, but going going back to this season, um, coming in coming into the year, uh, you guys had let Carl Hagelin go and traded him traded him away for uh, Emerson Edom, and I was looking through the the stats getting ready for this show and i see that he's been scratched all but three games this year uh how's how is his fit obviously he's he's pulling in the 13th forward role is that correct uh yeah right now he's uh he's kind of slated in as the 13th forward and every now and then he'll bounce into the lineup like he played the last two games because Stolberg uh got hurt he took a hard hit from red Pogutis. But, uh, yeah, I think they were expecting him to grab that third-line wingers role, but it didn't really work out. He didn't have a great camp. He kind of just looked a little um, a little out of sorts. It's not for a lack of talent. He just he looked like he'd never played with anybody on the Rangers before, which was really the case. Sure. So, um, yeah, he kind of ended up as this uh, spare forward. But even Elaine Vigneault said he's expecting to get him into the lineup. It's just the Rangers have been pretty healthy to this point. But, uh, I mean... He's got a ton of talent. Every game I've seen him, I've, he looks very similar to Carl Hagler, how he plays very like soft on his feet, gets to the corners quick, great shot. But, you know, like I said, the Rangers are a really hard team to crack because they are very deep down the wings. For sure, for sure. Um, I kind of expected more of him going the other way. I saw him a lot, obviously, playing with the Ducks here in the Western Conference. And... I thought that he would be a better fit than you know what maybe maybe he works his way in. There's uh, on the on the other side of that coin, Haglin's you know he, he's having a little tough time trying to fit. I mean he's not on the bench or anything, but the the whole roster change that 
the Ducks went through after going to Game 7, the Western Conference Finals, which still boggles my mind. Um, I think that chemistry issue is, is something that's keeping the Ducks from from having the best, the kind of start they were obviously hoping to have. I know they were the sexy pick to go ahead and win the Stanley Cup this year, but they got a lot of work to do there. And I thought I thought Hagelin would would be a good fit, and eventually he probably will be. Um, I saw too that that uh, Nash tweaked his back a little bit, so maybe Edom's going to get get another crack at the lineup tonight, huh? Uh, yeah, they, they were alluding to that. They were even talking about putting Edom on the top line, so that gives you an idea. They know he's got skill. I mean, that's not the issue. I still think that the Rangers got a good return for Carl Hagelin because Carl Hagelin, in reality, is a good third-line winger. And right now, I think the Ducks might overpay him a little bit, and maybe they're a little disappointed. But, you know, that's always been what he is. He's a speedster four-checker. And for the Rangers to bring back a guy like Edom, who's young and has a ton of upside, I think it was a great haul. So I think the Rangers won that deal. And uh, on another note, yeah, I think Edom has got a long way to go. It, it, it's very hard for a kid that's still young to come to a completely new city and just try to crack uh, a top six role or top nine role on a really good team. So, no, for sure. Also, going from the the California lifestyle to the the media frenzy that is known as New York City, it might take him a little while to get used to that as well, since he is a he is a Long Beach, California native, so he's never been exposed to that kind of a, uh, let's say, passionate yeah. hockey fan base that maybe you don't see in Orange County. A real fish out of water experience. Ab- absolutely. Now, you guys got another newcomer. He's near and dear to my heart. Uh, how's Jared Stoll look so far this year? I got to tell you, I've been very impressed with Jared Stoll. He's basically Dominic Moore if he was right-handed. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he reminds me of. But he, he's a great centerman. He, you know, he could play wherever you want him to play. He has an excellent shot. He's got a great poise, excellent on his own end. I mean, as a fourth-line guy making the money he's making, I think it was a steal for the Rangers to grab him. Obviously, he had some issues, but he felt like he was beyond them, and he seems to be. I mean, you always see him on the bench. He's always <laughs> chatting up with everybody. So looks like everyone likes him, too. Yeah, he's not the kind of player who's going to get you 30 goals, but he's going to win you 60 to 65% of his faceoffs, and that's so important nowadays in the National Hockey League with the way the you know the style of play goes. If you could put him on the ice in a defensive, you know, in your own zone, um, he's money on the faceoff. I I, I w- wish him well. Just for the record, uh, everybody knows what he was arrested for, but his charges ended up. Not drug related at all. I'm gonna try and clear Jared Stoll's name here. Not that he needs my help at all, but uh, the charges that he have, he, he actually pled pled no contest to, and I, I, it's it's a weird thing. It's intent to cause, and it's not a riot, but it's it, it intent to cause unrest in a public place. That was uh, that was something along the lines. It's a very weird charge. Uh, th- yeah, he does not have a drug conviction on his name. So, it, whatever whatever went down there, he is he is not a convicted drug user. <laughs> of course, another thing we're just kind of speculating about. You know, we weren't there. Yeah, ab- really absolutely. So, no, I'm, I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad he's doing well. Um, I always root for the former Kings, obviously. Uh, Chris, did you want to jump in here and get going? Yeah, I got two quick questions for Stephen on the Rangers. Uh, you know, obviously we talked about it uh, two years ago, Stanley Cup Finals, last year, Game 7. 
Eastern Conference Finals. And my first question, Stephen, is, you know, it seems to me, Stephen, the Rangers are in a place where unless they win the Cup this year, this season's a major disappointment. And I could think of a couple teams in the major sports recently where uh, we just saw the Royals win the World Series. And I think the fact that they kind of had that mindset going into this year, and it really helped them. But being a Yankee fan, uh, I've seen years where, you know, the Yankees had so much success that unless they won the World Series the following year, you know, the year the year was a failure. And that was a tough burden to carry. So do you think this is, is that the good thing for this team, right? A good thing for the team, or is it a bad thing for the team? Well, you know, I think it's a good thing because you have to have the expectation that you're a good team, that you can win, to be consistent. I mean, it seems like once you get that negative thought in your head, like, oh, let's just barely squeak into the playoffs and then that'll be a success. I mean, those are the teams that always end up being cannon fodder, in my opinion. Like, if you look at the Blackhawks, they are always considered, like, in the running to be a Stanley Cup contender or to win a Stanley Cup. And it seems like that has kind of hardened them. They never get shaken. Sort of like you were talking about the Royals. Uh, they never looked shaken in the postseason. They didn't look like a bunch of kids that were never there before. They looked like, oh, you know, right, we had a tough loss, we'll get over it. So I think it's a good thing for the Rangers because they've been through some really tough series against some excellent teams. And when when the expectation is, you know, we got to win this thing because we should be the best team, I think it just kind of... It's conducive, and I think it helps the younger guys get in a winning mindset. And I think it's just that's what the older guys want to play for. They don't want to be on a team that's you know expected to barely eke by. They want to be on a team that should be good. Yeah, my my second question is, you know, Mark and I and uh, Buffalo Tom out there, I hope he's listening, uh, talking over the summer, and they were asking me, you know, is the window for the Rangers closing? And I said it's still very much wide open, but, you know, actions speak louder than words. And the trade they made with Arizona before the deadline last year uh, is a signal that that the Ranger brass believes that there is a, there is a very, you know, there's not a huge shelf life on this window being open for winning the Cup by by what they gave up to get Keith Yandel. You think that's a fair? Do you think that's an accurate statement, or is that a little, uh, little too tough? Um, I think the Rangers' window is still open. I think the organization looks at it as this is probably one of our best shots. So you know, within the years to come, because I think usually when people refer to the Rangers' window closing, they're basically talking that Henrik Lundqvist is getting older. And Lundqvist has been the backbone of this team for so long and carried them so long that the idea of him not being there is scary for you know people that follow the Rangers. Um, that being said, I think I think they made this deal because the Rangers have a good amount of young talent up front. I don't think they did it because they're afraid like, oh, this is it, we don't have anything left. I mean, if you look at their core of players, they have a bunch of guys that are in their 20s. They have a lot of young players like Fast and Kreider. And uh, now Kevin Hayes has emerged, and they have Buchnevich in Russia. So they had a lot of guys kind of pushing to make that forward roster. And now, like we referred to, we have Emerson Eaton, too, another young player who should be good. So I think you see you have Anthony Duclair there, and, oh, you could grab a top-four defenseman and keep handle. I think it was just the right move for them to make at the time. I don't think they did it because they were, like, panicked, like, we got to win a cup right now. I mean, obviously, that's always the goal in a year, but I don't think they did it out of sheer panic. I think they did it because they saw it as a good move for the team going forward. 
I mean, people like Larry Brooks think that the Rangers aren't going to re-sign Keith Yandel after the season, but I think he's definitely going to end up getting re-signed because with Boyle retiring soon, the Rangers are going to need a puck mover back there to really shore up that, that defense and keep them competitive. Yeah, like I've been saying to the guys, especially Mark, that the biggest enemy for me, or one of the biggest enemies for me regarding the Rangers is the cap. And they have been up against it, you know, it seems like every year. And then every year where even as situations like you mentioned, Boyle, they're going to get some cap relief. But then they have these young guys who, like this year you saw, you know, Derek Stefan really get a huge bump up and increase and go, you know. Hey, Chris, hey, Chris, let me uh, let me cut you off here. We're right up against break time, and we'll pick this up right after the break. This section of the podcast was brought to you by HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, all hockey talk in a radio format. Make sure you guys get over there and check it out. All right, boys, we're back. Seg- segment number three of the show. Uh, we were talking about Yandel and his... his uh, whether whether that trade was was a desperation move, I I I think Chris, uh, that was that was uh, a move to fill a hole that that was you know good. He's a right-handed shot, I believe. So a good puck moving, offensive right-handed shot, run the point on the power play. That was something one thing that the the Rangers didn't have, and I I think it was a move to fill a spot. Um, it just declares off to such a fantastic start that uh, it, it kind of makes makes the trade look a little different. And be honest, he didn't really fit in too well last year, but I wanted I wanted Stephen to talk about his improved production this year. He's, he's off to a good start now, goal and six assists. Does he look more comfortable with the team uh, this year than he did going even in the playoffs last year? He never really seemed to seemed to get a good grasp on, on his his role in his time with the team. He's, he seems to be more comfortable this year. Does he look more comfortable? Uh, yeah, oh, well, one thing. He handles, uh, he's on the left pairing. He's a lefty. Okay. But uh, I remember thinking that, too. But, uh, yeah, uh, he definitely looks a lot more comfortable. To me, it looked like last year in the playoffs, he was like, he kept trying to make this amazing play, and, you know, it wasn't there sometimes. And, you know, sometimes that makes him look a little silly. But now he looks much more like he's just taking what's in front of him. So he's kind of taking that next step, and he looks a thousand times more comfortable. In I, my opinion, because last year, yeah, he was trying to make something out of nothing every time. That, and I think he was, you know, he's he, seemed seemed to me like he was thinking about, you know, where am I supposed to be now? This is different than what I'm used to. Uh, uh, what do I do? Uh, and and not panicking with the puck, but there's that there's that that the, I mean, the speed of the game. There's that second split second where you have to, to decide where to go, where to get to, uh, and you know, where, where your teammates are going to be. And he did, he did, he just didn't look comfortable. Um, and now he has maybe going through a full camp with the team with coach Vigneault, uh, that probably, I, I think, I don't know, probably helped him just be more comfortable with his teammates and, and where he's supposed to, supposed to be. So that, yeah, toss, toss up on, uh, Declare is looking phenomenal out west here, but um, it's good. It's good to see Yandel back, more playing more like himself. I'd say. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think there's just a big difference. You know, you go from Arizona where your big guns are Anton Vermitt, Shane Jones, and then you come to the Rangers and you got you know last year's Sid Lee and Nash and Stepan and all these options. What do you do? 
Well, la- so la- now I think he's a little more settled. Last year, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson was the Coyotes' leading scorer, so uh, he, yeah, he he does have a little more. Not not to take any Oliver Ekman Larson is a fantastic player, but it doesn't say much for the rest of the rest of the roster. So he's, got, he's certainly got a lot more oh, talent yeah. around. <laughs> certainly got a lot more talent around him in New York, who I think I think has another trip to, at, at least to the Eastern Conference Finals in him. Um, it's going to be you know. Carey Price going down, and they're still winning games. <laughs> it's, uh, Mon- yeah, right. you, say, you know, there's some, sometimes you think, you start the season off so fast, and you know you know you, your goal, obviously, get to the finals, win the Stanley Cup. That's, they don't make any secret about that in Montreal. That's the goal every year. Um, but you just, I just wonder now about sustainability. You see Price is down with an injury already. Um, when you start the season off like that, you get to the point where – I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but getting to the rink every night at that high of a level for that long of a period of time, that's the only thing that I worry about with Montreal because they're, they're playing great hockey right now, no question about it. Yeah, definitely. They, they, uh, they have some kind of defensive system up there. It's just it's hard to get through to any quality chances, and then you got to still beat Price, and then they find these other goalies. They, it's like they come out of nowhere, and then they play <laughs> fabulous. Yeah, no question about I don't. it. Well, Chris, you got anything else for Stephen before we let him get out of here? Uh, I guess, like I said, I was saying, trying to wrap up before, in terms of, to me, one of the biggest enemies the Rangers have is the cap, and uh, they're, you know, always seems to be up against it. And I know that they have a couple people coming off the books. Maybe they'll be able to find some money to sign. Yeah, no, but it always seems like once they have one contract come off, uh, then someone like this past summer was Derek Stepan, who got a big his time came for his big increase. It seems like this all season, uh, after the season, uh, Chris Kreider will be uh, that guy for this year. So that's going to be the challenge, I think, for them. And also, too, to, in order to try to get better, you saw, you know, it, it has really hurt their flexibility that, yeah, they were able to add a Yandel, but it came at a very heavy price. They had to work out a deal with Arizona where they picked up half the salary, which also meant giving up a lot more assets. So at the end of the day, not only did they, they give up Declare, but they gave up, a, you know, a second-round pick and a first and this year's upcoming first-round pick. So that, to me, is, you know, is a bit of an issue for them going forward. I don't know how Stephen feels about it. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely agree. They've been moving out some draft picks and some quality prospects. And I think that there it's going to be a price to pay for that. But at the same time, I think the Rangers have done a good job of like finding it. Like Oscar Lindbergh, that was a, a small trade. They traded Ethan Warrick, who was an only prospect. They grabbed Lindbergh, they developed him, and now he suddenly looks like a great third line player for them. And, he, and he's very young. He should have a good future ahead of him. And my point is with that is the Rangers are finding good players late in the draft. And they, you know, even Ryan Grubb, now they got a third round pick from Anaheim for Hadwood, too. And Ryan Grubb has a ton of talent, and he could turn out to be well, too. So my point is, the Rangers have kind of taken the Red Wings model of finding these these prospects out of nowhere and just developing them, and then before you know it, you have a good player. So the need for them to have those high-end, top-talented picks isn't really that... I guess they're not so desperate for it because they have found guys like Kevin Hayes, who's a free agent, and they have... Sound like Dan Girardi, who's uh, undrafted, and guys like that. So, 
I think that has kind of lessened their need for all those first-round picks. And let's face it, this year's first-round pick is going to be 29th, 28th, 30th, you know, some, somewhere in the bottom. Yeah. If, if everything goes to form, they could probably trade up uh, – a package of their second and third round pick trade up to a team in the in the upper second round pick, which I'd look for them to do towards the draft and kind of probably get the same quality of player. I would think it's going to be a late round pick. Well, keep 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 in mind, Mark. Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe unless the Rangers trade for a first round pick, if things remain as we uh, expect them to, and their first round pick goes to Arizona this year. Um, this will be the fifth year in a row the Rangers don't pick in the first round. And, you know, for an organization in the NHL, that's, you know, that's not ideal, let's say. Yeah, it's certainly not ideal to move out your first round picks. And it seemed like when the Rangers were turning everything around, they weren't giving up any of those first round picks or anything. And, uh, yeah, but I guess they turned that corner where they feel they could move these guys out. And they have the confidence in their scouting to find good players late in the draft, like even Anthony DeClaire, who we're talking about as, you know, a great player. He was a third-round pick, and people seem to, you know, people forget that. So if you have the confidence in your scouting, I think you can do it. I think if you're, you scout like the Oilers, then you really can't afford to give up your first round picks. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Tell, uh, tell anybody who wants to listen where they can get, get a hold of your Ranger stuff. Uh, yeah, you guys can check me out on the Hockey Writers. You can look at my name. It's Stephen Lofredo. Uh, and my Twitter handle is Stephen Lofredo. So pretty simple, guys. All right. Find me there for my work. Well, thank you, sir, for coming in. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Stephen. All right, guys. Uh, go Kings and go Isles, right? Hey, there you go. Go Rangers. I'll give you a go Rangers for that one. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Everyone's happy, right? Yep, yep. All right, thank you, sir. All right. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Well, there we go. Another uh, another great guest. He feels, yeah, he feels very good about the Rangers in there. Tough I mean, there's no, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, like I said, the, the, the dangers, signs, and again, I, I am an Islander fan, but I'm trying to be objective here. Is you know although there's no signs of it, but Lundqvist, I believe, I want to say he's going to be 34 in March. I believe that's right. He's 33, so he's going to be 34 soon. So, you know, I mean, he's easily got a couple tough years left in him. I, you know, he's in the middle of a very long-term deal. Uh, he signed an eight-year contract a couple of years ago, so uh, two, three years ago, and um, you know, and, and the cap crunch that the Rangers have been under. Uh, you know, those kind of things, um, uh, you know, it could be and the vehicle challenge the other top teams of the East were more coming. So that's, but yeah, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're going to be, uh, right there in, in the end. I mean, I expect them to, you know, be, uh, you know, they're going to be one of the favorites in the Eastern, Eastern Conference to represent the, uh, to represent the East. Well, sir, I, before we do get out of here, I want to have you circle next Thursday on your calendar. I don't know if you've looked that far ahead of your Islanders schedule, but uh, looks like we're going. Yeah, you're the West Coast, mate. <laughs> looks like we're going head to head, sir. Big King. <laughs> looks like we're going head to head. Big Bad King. They had a rough and tumble yeah, well, game last yeah. night. 
the Kings did with uh, Columbus yeah, there. They're yeah, a little, yeah. little, little, little rough there. A little chippy. A little chippy on the ice last night. They held uh, yeah, no, They held Columbus without... The Islanders have done pretty well. They've done pretty well over when they've gone to L.A. to play the Kings the last couple of years, if memory serves correct. Somehow I don't remember anything like that. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't remember any of that. Uh, I remember that. I remember, but I want to say they've done well out, out in LA the last couple of years. But yeah, now they have to they have to play a little bit better. Uh, uh, they have Boston at home, and then they go to the West Coast. Uh, uh, I want to say for three games. So, yeah, uh, Cal- California's not the same uh, trip it used to be. Game. Tough. Yeah, they got to get it in gear a little bit. And the Kings have been playing well, uh, been playing really well up until uh, we do this podcast. They lost the last night to Columbus. They played great in that game too, though. They held uh, they held Columbus without a shot for the whole second period. Um, and oh wow! Yeah, the first time Columbus has ever been held shotless in a period in their franchise history. Only the third time the Kings have done that uh, in in their history. But then. Didn't come out for the third period. Uh, I think they, some some like Columbus came out with like seventeen shots in the third period. And the the if the Kings had busted through and was able to tie it, I think the game might have gone the other way. They played second period some of the best I've seen them play all year. A um, couple fights in the game, real chippy. Uh, Hartnell and Jonathan Quick got into it pretty serious. Uh, so I, I wasn't disappointed. I was disappointed with the third period, but overall. I think they're still playing at at their top level, and I, I think they can still get better too. I think I think they still have some stuff. The Islanders had a game like that. The Islanders had a game like that last weekend when they went to New Jersey in the afternoon afternoon game, and you know they had a bad first period, and then they totally outplayed the Devils uh, the next two periods. In fact, in the third period, um, I think the Devils only had two shots, which they got in like the last two minutes, and they were relatively harmless shots. But that's one of the things that could be frustrating about hockey is the Islanders totally outplay them for both the uh, for both the overtime as well as uh, um, regulation, and then they lost in the shootout. You know, so you like, you know, we totally deserve to get the two points, but we didn't. I mean, so yeah. uh, that could be one. That's one of the frustrating things sometimes watching a hockey. Game. That's like uh, King's trademark, man. If if I look at the game and they're losing one nothing, I'll almost guarantee you they're ahead in shots, they're ahead in hits, they haven't turned the puck over, they've got more takeaways, they're winning in the faceoff circle, and they're losing one nothing. That's uh, that's a that's a king's trademark right there. Uh, I did read a Cop- real quick. I did read a Kopitar update, and I heard that they are close, but uh, you know, again, this is from the good old World Wide Web, but. It sounded like the Kings wanted to pay him around nine-ish, and he wanted around ten-ish. So, if the Kings are willing to go to nine-ish, uh, I would expect by Christmas time, uh, deal to get done. Yeah, it seems like nine and a half or eight is going to be where they settle somewhere in there. Um, there was, yeah, wow, the, I, I give it to him. He, I think it's wearing on his play right now. I, yeah. I, I think I think it really is. People are saying, "Oh, he can't score. Why are we paying him so much? If he wants ten million. He better score 50. That's not his game, first of all, and second of all, I think it's wearing on him right now. But we're up against a, gr- a break, Chris. So uh, I'm gonna shut it down and let you go, and we're gone. Okay. 